It was a rough loss on the field for the Orioles on Tuesday night, falling in extra innings to the Toronto Blue Jays. But off the field, the O's got some good news on three of their most important pitchers. We'll talk about all that and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to recap a tough Orioles loss. They fall 6-3 to three in 10 innings to the Toronto Blue Jays on Tuesday night at the yard. I'll get you to the five things you need to know from that one, including an interesting decision to not have Felix Bautista pitch a second inning, but another good start from Grayson Rodriguez. Then we'll get into some Orioles news and notes from Tuesday as they got some good injury news on Anthony Santander, John Means, and Danny Coulomb, plus an interesting decision was made on Tyler Wells. Then finally, we'll finish things off with a little bullpen trust power rankings for the Orioles' current seven-man pen. And that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. But first, just want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Make sure you subscribe there. And make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel. Just gave away the Orioles soccer jersey as a thank you to you all for helping me get to 4,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're chugging along towards 5,000 subscribers. When we get there, there will be another fun giveaway on the channel, but you have to be subscribed. Thank you to everyone who reached out about yesterday's episode about another John Angelos fiasco. If you haven't listened to or watched that one on Tuesday's episode, make sure to go back to that one as well. But thank you to the everydayers out there and everyone who makes Locked on Orioles their first listen of the day. For your first listen today, let's start with a recap of an Orioles loss. Final score from the yard on Tuesday night. The Blue Jays 6 and the Orioles 3 in 10 innings in Game 1 of a three-game series for the O's. The Orioles, they've kind of dominated the Blue Jays this year. And they certainly had a chance to win this game on Tuesday, which we'll get to. But they fall to 8-3 and three against Toronto on the season. With the loss in this game, after having the off day on Monday, after they had swept the A's over the weekend, Orioles now 77-48 and 48 on the year. And unfortunately, despite the Rockies having a lead, a one-run lead, but a lead in the eighth inning over the Rays, the Rays scored nine runs in the bottom of the eighth to come back and beat the Rockies 12-4 on Tuesday night in game one of their three-game set. So the Orioles lead in the AL East is down to two games. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from this 6-3 to three extra inning loss to the Jays. And the first thing you need to know is, well, let's go to the very end of the game. The Felix Bautista decision to take him out after just one inning of work in the ninth was an interesting one. I don't love it. I said it to the people sitting around me before the move was made. But I get both sides of it. So let's break it down. Felix Bautista comes in in the top of the ninth inning of a 3-3 game, essentially facing what is going to turn out to be the top of the Blue Jay order. Yes, it starts with the nine-hitter Kevin Kiermeyer, but then one Whit Merrifield, two Bo Bichette, and then Belt, Guerrero, Springer, if it gets there in the order. So essentially the meat of the Blue Jays order in a 3-3 game. Now, 
Bautista had two days off, Sunday and Monday, and he only threw about, I believe, 10 pitches on Saturday. So perfectly well-rested. You knew he was going to pitch in this game, even if it was tied in the ninth. That it was, and he made quick work of the Blue Jays. Actually, just the fourth time this year that Bautista had not gotten at least one strikeout in any outing. He got Kiermaier to fly out, and then Merrifield and Bichette both to ground out for a 1-2-3 top of the ninth, and he did it in nine pitches. And you're thinking, okay, this is a guy who had two days off, hasn't pitched a lot lately, nine pitches. If the Orioles don't score in the bottom of the ninth and this goes to extras, Felix is such a weapon in the 10th inning with the zombie runner on because he strikes out so many batters. You feel like you have a really good chance of even putting up a zero and giving your offense the chance to just need to scratch across that runner from second to win the game. And we'll get to what happened in the bottom of the ninth, but the Orioles don't score. And they go back out there in the 10th and immediately... I'm expecting Felix to go back out there, but the bullpen door opens, and out comes Mike Bauman. Now, we'll get to the Bauman decision in a second as well, but just with the Felix, here's the two sides of it. The first side is you're playing to win this game and this game alone. You're trying to hold on to a three-game lead in the division. You're playing a divisional opponent and another team that's vying for the postseason in the Toronto Blue Jays. They're chasing you in the division, not as much as the Rays are, but they're still there in that race. And you've got a chance to put up a zero in the top of the 10th and give your order in the bottom half a chance right there to just not get a runner from second and win the game. And Bautista has been lights out, especially when he has pitched in two inning stints where it's the ninth inning and then the 10th inning with the zombie runner. That's basically when he's been at his best this year. He's had good rest. He can easily throw 20, 30 plus pitches because he had the two days off. Didn't work much in the game on Saturday either. Really hasn't pitched much lately at all. And he only threw the nine pitches in the ninth inning, which means he's super easily rested to throw the 10th. That is how I saw it. Felt like that gave the O's the best chance to win. Now, here's the flip side of the argument that I understand as well. You don't want to burn him. Because even though he only threw nine pitches, and and Bautista, after throwing nine pitches, will easily be available for tonight's game if a similar situation or a save situation comes up. But if he throws that second inning... The pitchers are going to be higher pressure, right? You get that runner on second, immediately you're going to throw more pitches. You're hunting strikeouts more so than he was in the ninth inning. I mean, even if he gets the scoreless frame, you're probably looking at at least 20 pitches in that inning. So you're looking at a pitch count that gets closer to 25 and 30 when his day is done. That automatically makes him unavailable for game two of the series. And if the 10th inning gets really laborious, he could be unavailable for Tuesday and Wednesday, the rest of this Blue Jays series. And that's when you really need him in this homestand because the next two teams you play are the Rockies and the White Sox, two of the five worst teams in baseball. You feel like you want to make sure Felix is potentially available for two, if not all three of these games against the Blue Jays. Plus this is game one of nine consecutive days with a game for the Orioles on this nine game homestand against Toronto, Colorado and Chicago. And the O's just had a good amount of off days over the last couple of weeks They do not have many off days at all, really, for the rest of the season. I believe they only have, looking at the schedule, four or five off days for the rest of the year. So you got to think about keeping Felix fresh because he is the best reliever in baseball. So those are really the two sides of the argument. You know, you pull him to say, we know we'll have him fresh, or you leave him in to say, we're going to win this game. Now, the other thing to take account is the decision is different at home than it is on the road. On the road... Let's take a look at, you know, the game 
in Seattle a couple weekends ago when the Orioles win 1-0. Felix Bautista pitches a fairly quick bottom of the ninth, keeps the game scoreless to extras. Orioles get the run in the top of the 10th. They go back to Felix. He strikes out the side in the bottom of the 10th inning. They win it 1-0. The difference in a home game is when you send him out there for that second inning of work, you don't have the lead. So when you send him out there with the lead, he's your closer, he's your guy, he's your strikeout guy, you're trying to win the game. You know if Felix gets three outs without letting that run score, you win the game, and you know that. The difference at home is, okay, he pitches the short one, two, three, top of the ninth. Orioles don't score bottom ninth, so it's going to the 10th. Even if Bautista puts you up that zero in the top of the 10th inning, there's no guarantee that you win the game. You still have to bring in that runner from second against Jordan Romano, who isn't Felix Bautista, but is also one of the best relievers in the game. And either way, whether it was tied or the Blue Jays took the lead, Romano was pitching the bottom of that 10th inning for Toronto. So that's why the calculation is a little bit different in terms of usage. You know, the manager's always got to be thinking not just about today, tomorrow, but the games down the road. I think knowing everything that went into it, I think I would have thrown Felix in that 10th inning. There's no guarantee the O's would have won had they done that. But I think I would have thrown him, and that's where I fall in here. Now, the second thing you need to know from this loss is the kind of other choice here was going to Mike Bauman, right? Because it's one thing, you know, not throwing Felix. But the other thing is, okay, they've decided not to throw Felix in the 3-3 game in the 10th. What pitcher do you go to? This was also a really tough choice for the O's, too. Because once Felix came out, they had really already used the top four guys in the bullpen right now right? Jacob Webb got two outs in the seventh. CNL Perez got the final out. Cano got three outs in the eighth and Bautista gets your three outs in the ninth. That leaves you with Mike Bauman, Shintaro Fujinami, and Nick Vespi left over in the bullpen. So if you're not going to go to Felix, one of those three has to pitch the 10th. It's a little bit more of why the reason I sided on the side of pitch Felix in the 10th inning. But if you're choosing between those three, I think most people would go with Mike Bauman for a couple of reasons. One, he's had the best track record this year with the Orioles, easily out of those three. Fuji's been so up and down. Vespi hasn't been here super long. And B, Bauman has pitched well in these exact scenarios this season. Multiple times this year, Bauman has come in in a big spot in extra innings with the zombie runner and struck out batters and put up a zero. So you think he can do it again. Now here's the flip side. Things have not been going well lately for Mike Bauman. Over a 5 ERA in August, and in his last six appearances coming into this game, this is before he did what he did. Six innings in his last six appearances, nine hits, four runs, just three strikeouts to one walk. It hasn't been very good. And you think about the real bad one you know, in Seattle where Cedric Mullins robs the homer, and then two pitches later, Bauman actually gives up the game-time homer in the bottom of the ninth inning. He's looked not great over the last few outings. But I do get that he was probably the next best choice. Now, of course, it did not work because Bauman threw that first pitch of the inning. Brandon Belt is up. Zombie runners on in the 3-3 game. I have never seen a fastball from a major league hitter in that spot. I've seen middle-middle fastballs before. But in the 10th inning with the runner on second in the tie game, I know it's the first pitch of the inning and the first pitch he had thrown coming into the game. I have never seen a more middle-middle fastball thrown by a pitcher. Go to the MLB app, look at the plot data, look at where that pitch was. It was basically a fastball 
directly at 96 in the middle of the strike zone, right in the middle. Brandon Belt demolishes it, two-run homer. Next pitch, gapper, double, down the line. Next pitch, Springer laces one to center field. Luckily, Mullins was able to race back there and make the catch. And then eventually, a wild pitch allowed that six-run to score, which really put it out of reach with the three-run tenth for Toronto. It's a weird spot. You're also kind of putting yourself behind the eight ball because all your good options have already been burned when you go away from Felix. I will personally say I don't think Brandon Hyde made the right decision, but it was still a tough decision because there was a lot of context that goes into it, and I just tried to, to lay it out right there. Third thing you need to know from the Orioles' 6-3 to three loss is it was just kind of a weird bottom of the ninth, right? You know, Felix gets the zero up, and you're thinking, this could be a chance to do it. Now, Tim Mays of the left-hander comes in, so instead of the Orioles going to their pinch hitters they would have gone to, they stick with the righties. And Ryan McKenna grounds one up the middle, gets an infield single to lead it off. Jorge Mateo is up there, and you know what he's going to do. He hasn't hit well. He's going to try to lay down a bunt, get McKenna to second, so that Rutschman, Mountcastle, Henderson can try to drive him in. And Mateo just couldn't get that bunt down. And it's happened a couple of times this year where Mateo's been left in to get a shot to at least get a sack bunt down and help the team with his bat, and he hasn't done it. It happened again on Tuesday night, and it was frustrating. And, you know, McKenna eventually goes to second on a ground out with two down. And then the Blue Jays make an interesting move that ended up working, and honestly, I respect it. Tie game, bottom nine, runner on second, two down, Ryan Mountcastle coming up. Despite, despite Mountcastle not having a great day, right? He was 0 for 4 up to that point. They got the lefty on the hill in Tim Meza. Mountcastle has dominated lefties. Even more so, he's dominated the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays intentionally walk him to face Gunnar Henderson. Now I get it, you get the better matchup left on left with Henderson. But Mountcastle versus Henderson just in a vacuum, I would rather face Mountcastle. That's just me, even with the hot streak he's been on. But they walked a guy to get to Gunnar Henderson. And Henderson was about two feet away from a walk-off double down the line, lacing one the other way. He eventually grounds out to end the inning. Respect to the Blue Jays on that decision. They know what beats them. They weren't going to let Mountcastle beat them again. And it worked out for him. Fourth thing you need to know from the Orioles' 6-3 to loss to the Blue Jays in extra innings is that, hey, Jordan Westberg. Looked good in this game. He was one of two Orioles with a multi-hit game. Adley Rutschman had a double and a single in this one. And then Jordan Westberg, two for five with a double and RBI. Now, he did strike out his three other times. And his strikeout against Jordan Romano in the bottom of the 10th, he looked really, really bad in that one against a good pitcher. But Westberg had kind of the key hit in the fifth with the RBI double that ended up tying the game. He swung the bat really well in this one. I thought he took some professional at-bats, especially when he got his hits. He was up in fifth in the order after hitting fourth at one point this weekend against the A's. He just continues to round into form, and you know it's a 7-12 OPS, 266 average since coming up. He's not lighting the world on fire, but he's playing great defense at second base, and he's swinging the bat well, and I'm just liking what I'm seeing at this point from Jordan Westberg. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' loss on Tuesday night is that, hey, Grayson Rodriguez was good again, but kind of in a different way in this one. Rodriguez's final line, it's another quality start for the rookie righty. Six innings, three runs on eight hits with five strikeouts and two walks. Did allow a homer on 94 pitches. Five hard-hit balls for the Blue Jays' offense against him in his six innings of work. And listen, Grayson's last start in San Diego where he went the seven innings, the one run, that's his best big league start. I get it. Like, there's no denying that. He was dominant from the jump in that one. But I was really impressed by Grayson on Tuesday night in kind of a different way because if you noticed it early, those first couple of innings, those first two innings for Grayson Rodriguez, 
he looked like he was reverting back to the pre-demotion Rodriguez. The guy who was way too reliant on the fastball, who had errant fastball command and either walked a guy or left a fastball right down the middle. And that is what happened in those first two innings. You think about how he started out the game. After a ground out, Bichette single, Brandon Belt walk, and he luckily does get Vlad Guerrero to ground into a 5-4-3 double play to put up a zero in the first. But his first 11 pitches that Rodriguez threw were fastballs before he threw a slider to Guerrero that he rolled over for that double play. So it was once again kind of that too heavy reliance on the fastball. Then he comes out there in the second inning after the Orioles get a run on the Austin Hayes RBI double to go up 1-0 in the first. Bad fastball command to George Springer. He walks him. Then he gets ahead of Dalton Varsho 0-2, and it's that bad fastball command. He leaves a fastball right down the middle. Varsho demolishes it for a two-run homer to give the Jays the lead. And then it looks like, oh, man, is he falling apart again? Matt Chapman singles. Danny Jansen singles. They got runners in the corners. It looks like things were going to fall apart. But then Grayson did something that he wasn't doing his first time around in the big leagues. He settled down and got through it. And yes, he got help by a very impressive double play by Ryan Mountcastle on a line drive to get two. Gets Whit Merrifield to ground out. Keeps it a two-to-one game. And then he just settled in. A couple of strikeouts in the third inning. Got himself you know, into a little bit of trouble in the fourth, giving up a run, but got out of it. Goes out there in the fifth, gets himself a big strikeout. And then in the sixth inning, strikes out the last couple of batters he faces and is fired up coming off the mound. And he mixed the pitches a little better. He was mostly fastball changeup. I mean, of his 94 pitches that Rodriguez threw, it was 51 fastballs and 31 changeups. That's 82 of the 94 pitches were either fastball or change. And he did get seven whiffs on the changeup, which was a solid number, 11 on the day in total. But I just thought it had the looks early, had the makings of a bad Grayson start, and he was able to stop it after that second inning, regroup, find it, and throw a quality start and give the O's a chance to win. I know that that Padre start was amazing, but I think what he did here in responding after the first two innings was even a better and bigger step in Grayson Rodriguez's development so far this season. Unfortunately, what happened late in the game happened, and the Orioles lose the first one to the Blue Jays 6-3 in 10 innings. But as I said, it wasn't all bad from the Orioles on Tuesday. They got some good news for some of their injured pitchers. John Means, Danny Coulomb, Tyler Wells... We'll talk about what that good news was coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, Exclusions apply. So the Orioles fall to the Blue Jays 6-3 in 10 innings on Tuesday night, dropping game one of a three-game series. But the O's might have some good news on their horizon. Might be getting some pitching help sooner rather than later 
to this team. So I want to get to some Orioles news and notes here on today's episode. Let's start with the pitchers, then a little bit about some hitters at the end as well. Let's start with Tyler Wells. Now, Tyler Wells, it's not exactly an injury, right? And he's not on a rehab assignment. He was simply optioned to double A because things weren't working out for him, essentially. I mean, that's the best way I can put it. He looked tired. He was hitting some innings numbers he hadn't hit before. Just all of his stuff fell off a cliff. But since he went to double A, the Orioles stretched him out, kind of gave him one start per week. And in his three starts in double A, he looked better. Now, listen, I get it. It's double A hitters, not major league hitters. But three starts, you know, they were all short starts, eight and two thirds innings total in just three starts, but only three runs on six hits, seven Ks, three walks and two home runs. He was looking better. Now, the Orioles announced to the media before Tuesday's game that Wells will be promoted to triple A Norfolk this week. But the difference is... Now that he's back in AAA, he'll no longer be working as a starter. And the O's are going to put him in the Tides bullpen for the time being. This is kind of a huge development for his potential to come back and help the Orioles at the big league level at some point in September as they push for the playoffs and the division title. Because I've talked about it a lot on this pod since Wells was demoted. I really thought if they were going to get something out of Tyler Wells before this season ended again, it was going to be out of the bullpen. Remember how good he was in his first year with the Orioles. After they took him in the Rule 5 draft, they put him in the bullpen in 2021. He was the Orioles' closer by the end of that year. That's how good he was. The strikeout stuff was playing way up out of the pen. Then he had a good year as a starter last year, but he struggled with injuries, missed a lot of time in the second half. Then he was healthier this year, had a great first half. A couple more things go his way. He could have been a borderline all-star this year. And then just... He comes out of the second half and he just looks tired. I mean, that's what it was. So I think the bullpen is the best way to manage his workload. Now, the O's say they're going to put him in the AAA bullpen. He's going to work generally as a reliever. Now, he might go some multi-inning stints, and I would think he will, just to keep him built a little bit up. But I do think Tyler Wells is going to be back on this Orioles team as long as all goes well. He doesn't suffer any injury or anything in the AAA bullpen. I think he'll be in this O's bullpen in September. And now the question is, even though you get the roster expanded by one pitcher and one hitter, it goes from 26 to 28 on September 1st, there's a lot of questions coming up with Means coming back and we'll get to him and Danny Coulomb coming back and we'll get to him and Tyler Wells and everybody, including myself, wants D.L. Hall up in this bullpen soon. Question kind of becomes, well, who loses those spots? Because there's only so many spots to go around. Well, one thing we are learning that even if Mike Bauman, I don't think he's like done for, I don't think he should go to AAA for the rest of the season, but Mike Bauman seems like a guy who could use a little two-week AAA reset right now, or maybe, you know, coming up soon. And Bauman is one of the few relievers in the O's bullpen right now who does have minor league options and can be sent down to AAA without passing through waivers. If you want to get Tyler Wells up there, maybe in a week or two, after you've used him in the Norfolk pen, maybe Bauman's still struggling a little bit. That's the move you could make to get Wells that roster spot. But I think if he knows he's only going out there to pitch one inning at a time, I think he could still help this team, this O's team, down the stretch out of the bullpen. Now, next guy to talk about is John Means. Got some more good news on John Means on Tuesday. Means, who made his third rehab start in AA Bowie over the weekend, threw more pitches and looked good. Four innings in that one of one run ball, two hits, one run was a homer. 4 Ks, no walks, 57 pitches, 39 of them for strikes for John Means. Built up his pitch count from 28 
to 45 to 57 in the three starts. Now, he's certainly not built all the way up yet. 57 pitches is not built up. But Dan Connolly tweeted on Tuesday that he had talked to John Means, and Means said that he's going to be moved up to AAA Norfolk this week. He said that he expects his next rehab start to be Friday, which is a good thing. That's normal-ish rest. You know, it's a little bit of extra rest from Saturday to Friday, but normal-ish rest. And he expects to try to go five innings. And according to Connolly, after talking to Means, there is a chance that Friday could be Means' final rehab start. And, you know, four or five days after that, he could rejoin the Orioles. So if you go to Friday, which is August 25th, and you wait four, five, maybe six days, John Means could be the September 1st extra pitcher call-up to come help the Orioles. Now, Means also said it's out of his control and he could very likely see another rehab start happening. If I had to guess, I would say there's at least two more rehab starts Means will make. I would say he's going to make the one Friday and I would assume he will make one more rehab start in AAA after that as well sometime next week before he would get the call-up. So that probably means he won't be the September 1st bullpen call-up, but maybe about a week after. You're starting to look at John Means two weeks from now being ready to rejoin the Orioles. I mean, we are getting close here. That is some good news on John Means from Dan Connolly. And then for... Even better help from the bullpen, or at least what we know will be helpful. Danny Coulomb, who went on the injured list a little bit ago, just a little bit of an elbow thing. O's weren't too concerned. He made his first rehab pit uh, stint, outing, whatever you want to call it, in AAA Norfolk on Tuesday night. One, two, three inning with a couple of strikeouts. Watched a little bit of it, went back and watched it. He looked good. He looked pretty close to the you know Danny Coulomb we've come to know and love throughout this season for the Orioles. That tells me that maybe, I mean, maybe they'll want to get him one more rehab outing, potentially, like, on Thursday, but by this weekend against the Rockies, what that tells me is Coulomb probably will rejoin the Orioles' bullpen. Now, I would think that short-term move is probably, he'll most likely replace Nick Vespi. It's lefty for lefty. Vespi has options. He's kind of the last man in the bullpen right now, so it's an easy move to get Coulomb up there. Now, once Means and Hall and Wells start coming back, you get tougher decisions. Kind of the easy one coming up is Coulomb for Vespu, but it's going to be really nice to have Coulomb in there because as I'll get to in a bit, you get Danny Coulomb back right now and healthy, you got actually a lot of guys you can trust in this bullpen right now. But then just a couple of things on a couple of hitters. Aaron Hicks mentioned it briefly on Monday's episode, went back on the 10-day injured list over the weekend. It's not the same injury that put him on last time. It's now a back issue. He's kind of starting to break down a little bit. The production's going down. I mean, it didn't seem like a season-ending thing. Like, he could easily be back to, to help the Orioles in September. I just feel like there's a chance right now with his age, production, and the multiple injuries, he could be done for the year. And I think, you know, even if Colton Kowser is the September 1st call-up to be the extra hitter to join the team, I think instead of, like, you know, Kerstad being the guy who replaces Hicks eventually, I, I really do think it's going to be Ryan McKenna. I think we're going to see him continue on this team if Hicks doesn't come back. Now, does uh, Hicks' long-term injury potentially open up more space for a Kerstad or a Joey Ortiz or even a Jackson Holiday in September? Yes, it does. I just think it means McKenna and Kowser on this team next month. And then finally, Anthony Santander. Orioles said before the game, Santander was available off the bench on Tuesday. He hasn't played since Friday because of some back soreness. He did grab a bat at one point, put on his batting gloves, appeared in the on-deck circle for a second, but never appeared in Tuesday's game. 
Generally, when you hear that I'm available off the bench tonight, it usually kind of means they're not available off the bench, but that the next day they'll probably be ready. Would not be surprised to see Santander back in the O's lineup tonight against the Blue Jays. But the O's do have a game two tonight against the Blue Jays. We'll talk about that a little bit coming up next. And also, bullpen trust power rankings. Actually feeling a little better about the O's bullpen right now. I'll tell you who I trust the most to finish off the pod coming up next. So the Orioles suffered a 6-3 loss in extra innings to the Blue Jays on Tuesday night, but they're still trying to keep the streak alive, avoid the sweeps, and try and set themselves up for a series win on Thursday. But first, got to get the W tonight at 7.05 p.m. Eastern time start here on a Wednesday night, and they're facing an old friend once again, Kevin Gosman, who's been the Blue Jays' ace this season, will take the hill, has a 3-2-4 ERA in 24 starts this season. Last time out, though, did get a little rattled by the Phillies. Five and a third innings, five runs, four Ks, and three walks. And his last time against the Orioles, he was not good at all. Back on August 3rd in Toronto, O's got him for three runs on eight hits in four and a third innings. Now, he did strike out six, but the Orioles had his pitch count way up and certainly had him rattled in that start. His only other start against Baltimore this year was May 21st, also in Toronto. That one much better. That was eight innings of two-run ball for Gosman. I'd rather see the more recent version if the O's can get to him. And he will face off against Jack Flaherty, who will make his fourth start in an Oriole uniform. Here's how his three starts have gone. One really good start in his debut against this Toronto team when he went six innings, one run. One okay start against Houston where he only lasted five innings, gave up three runs, but did strike out eight. And then one really, really bad start in San Diego last week where he allowed seven runs in three innings of work. We shall see what Jack Flair to the O's get tonight. But either way, you can listen to every single pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast of tonight's Game 2 between the O's and the Jays on the SXM app through SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. But to finish up the pod here today, I just want to get you quickly the bullpen trust power rankings for the Orioles right now. Because despite Mike Bauman kind of falling apart in the 10th inning, The bullpen getting from Grayson Rodriguez to extras was really, really good. The O's used that top four that they have right now, and it worked out. And I got to say, remember, we have a trust category, a maybe trust category, and a don't trust category. I got four pitchers in the trust category right now. That's the first time in a while I have had four pitchers in the trust category. Number one is Felix Bautista. He's amazing. He continues to be amazing easily in that category. Number two is Jacob Webb. I mean, this guy's insane. Now, eight Innings, or not eight innings, eight appearances, seven and two-thirds innings with the Orioles, no runs allowed. I don't know what's going over there in Anaheim. The Angels don't know how to run a ball club. Why are they letting this guy go? It's a huge addition for the Orioles. Sano Perez, maybe for the first time all year, is in the trust category. Sano Perez in August, after he got a huge strikeout to keep the game tied on Tuesday night, seven and a third innings, no runs, 11 strikeouts, two walks in August. He looks like 2022 Perez. He's back. And then also, after a brief, tough spot in July, Yenier Cano is back in the trust category. Through a scoreless eighth inning on Tuesday, eight and two-thirds, scoreless in August, 11 Ks and one walk for Cano. He has been good. In the maybe trust category, we start with Shintaro Fujinami. He is the epitome of the maybe trust category of the bullpen trust power rankings. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's hard to watch. You don't know which Fuji you're going to get. The stuff is electric, fastball 102, devastating splitter, good cutter. Maybe doesn't know where it's going. 
down the middle, on the edges, way outside to the backstop, you don't know. It's a puzzle to figure it out. It is nice, though, that the O's have four guys in the trust category right now where they don't have to deploy Fuji in a lot of high-leverage spots at the moment. They can kind of ease him back in, try and find that magic that he'll find from time to time. Then I also have Nick Vespi in the maybe trust. Hasn't been good, hasn't been bad since he got recalled. Just kind of is the last guy out there. He'll get you some outs when you need it. I don't see him being in a lot of high-leverage spots. And then finally, this might be a little overreaction to Tuesday's game, but... I did mention, you know, last six outings, four runs, nine hits, six innings, just three strikeouts. Mike Bauman is the only pitcher right now of the seven-man bullpen in the don't trust category. This stuff has looked different, not great. Velo's a little down. Command's down. He's either in the middle of the plate or can't throw a strike. He's just not getting whiffs. Like, he's not missing bats like he was early in the season when he was a very, very strong middle reliever for the Orioles. Now, he still can be that. But I'm just a little concerned. All it's going to take for Bauman is one good outing the next time he pitches, and I will bump him back into maybe trust. Maybe a little overreaction from Tuesday, but Mike Bauman is going to sit in the don't trust category. However, to only have one O's reliever down there, we've had as many as four, it seems like, at times this year in the don't trust category. So I'll take one at the moment for the Orioles. And hopefully the O's can go back to that trusted bullpen and lock down a win tonight to even up the series. But either way, I'll be back with you tomorrow recapping game two between the Orioles and the Blue Jays. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.